in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Chris Brown. So, is a bizarre labour of love or a Night of the Living Dead ripoff? Uh, the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue is a very strange fish. And in truth, I think a little bit of both. Distinctly English in how it looks, yet made with Spanish and Italian filmmakers. The movie is considered by many as a classic horror film and one of the first movies that was directly influenced by George A. Romero's celebrated Night of the Living Dead and yet still manages to box well amongst the glut of Italian-produced zombie movies from the 1970s. Les Sleeping Corpses Lie, also known in Italian as Do Not Profane the Dead and in the UK, The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue and Don't Open the Window. It's a 1974 Spanish-Italian horror film, written and directed by George Grau, and starring Ray Lovestock, Arthur Kennedy, and Christina Galbo. The movie features an incredible 16 different titles used to sell it, though, so brace yourself while you crack through them. No Profana El Solono de Los Mutos, No Profana El Sono de Morti, Living Dead in Manchester Morgue, Don't Open the Window, The Dovia, The Living Dead, Breakfast at the Manchester Morgue, Breakfast with the Dead, Brunch with the Dead, Weekend Peri Morty, Weekend with the Dead, Invasion de Zombies, Das Lichaus de Leden Toton, Levin Dodon in Het Jackhaus, Massacre de Mortes Vivantes, De Jean Cole Mortes de Marni, Zombie Free <laughs> and Fin de Semina para los Montes, which was its shooting title. The film focuses on two people who are harassed by a local police investigator in the English Lake District and framed for murders committed by zombies who have been brought to life by a bizarre machine designed to kill insects. Anyone about?
Look, it's not my fault, Sergeant, if Christ and saints are out of fashion. Satan's all the rage these days. Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves, and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after. One with lots of bars in the windows. Better reinforce that door. Take the lamp. I can just imagine the sergeant's face when he finds out. Craig, can you hear me? Sergeant, they're dead people trying to kill me! Message for you. Look. I know it sounds silly, but is it possible? I mean, could a film fail to catch an image for any reason? Well, a ghost, maybe. George, played by Ray Lovestock, has taken a trip with his antique shop in Manchester to the Lake District to work with a new house with some friends. He's riding his motorcycle, but it accidentally gets damaged by Edna, played by Christine Galbo, who's reversing a Mini Cooper at a petrol station. He basically demands and insists that she gives him a lift where he needs to be, considering it was going to take all weekend for the motorbike to be repaired she kind of agrees at first but then freaks out and eventually they end up um, well on the way they see this department of agriculture special magical experimental machine that's sitting in a field apparently it's designed to kill insects through ultrasonic radiation but while Edna waits in the car she's attacked by a man much in a Night of the Living Dead way, in a, in a car at the start. Night falls, Edna's drugs out his sister, Katie West, gets into an argument with her photographer husband, Martin. And Martin goes down to the waterfall, near the remote cottage, to take some photographs and relax. Katie is attacked by the same man who attacked Edna. When she runs to the waterfall to get Martin, the man kills him and goes to attack her as well. 
Now, things start to become grimmer when they report the death. The police sergeant, who's played by Arthur Kennedy, is aggressive and uh, not small-minded. Believes Katie did it. Forces George to, to stay by the by the um, by the cottage. George begins to try and investigate it, feeling that he has no other choice over because he's uh, he wouldn't be believed by the police investigators. Going to get stitched up. And starts to discover that there's a strange and dangerous link between this machine used by the Department of Agriculture and the dead seemingly rising from the graves to attack the living. Now, Mrs. West, you're alone when your husband was killed. It wasn't the first time you had a fight, was it? Could you tell us what these pictures are all about? I don't know. I can't remember. But how, how can you think? You saw what happened to Martin. Only a very strong man could... Simon, you must be aware that under the influence of drugs, an individual can do things that otherwise are beyond the reach of his normal powers, and perhaps not even remember what he's done. Just as your sister here doesn't seem to remember anything about these photographs. You took a shot last night, didn't you? Come on, admit it. But this is monstrous. What possible motive could Katie have had to want to kill Martin? Because after having kept her here for a year to get her off the stuff, and after becoming aware that she was still an addict, Martin decided to put her into a clinic. Isn't that why you came down here from London? Yes, that's true, but... And you didn't want to go, did you? No, I didn't want to go. In hospital, you wouldn't have been able to get any of this lovely stuff now. But I didn't you? kill him. I didn't. Excuse me. Uh, what is it? Sorry, but he says he's uh, got something very important to tell you. It's about time. Let's hear it. You can come in. Thanks. Well, it's like this, see. I came up here yesterday to see my friends. Well... Well, can't you see me? I've got nothing to do with this. I've got my house to look after. Will you tell him that I would... Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after. One with lots of bars in the windows. All right, all right. Take it easy. Don't get hysterical. We'll pick this up again later. I finish with you. And with you too, miss. Uh, for the moment. There's a hotel in Southgate. You can both book rooms there until you hear from me. But I want to stay with my sister. Sorry, miss. You must stay in the hotel. So our film, which is the police inspector, first off, is played by Arthur Kennedy, as I said. And his character is a malicious man. which basically aiming to fit the couple up for murder. Now, Grouse speaks about it, saying that Kennedy was a man who obviously had once been popular in a Troy McClure kind of way. You may know him from such films as uh, Lawrence of Arabia, the man from Laramie, uh, Laramie and uh, High Sierra as well. But um, 
he'd kind of he's described as a man in descent. Once respectable Hollywood actor, he'd kind of fallen into doing low budget Italian thrill ride kind of movies. And he was the international name that was being used to sell to sell Manchester Morgue. And I think the thing about that is, I mean, as I showed you all the different titles, obviously it, it was aimed to be sold as many territories in a different ways as possible. But Grau imbues his character with a sense of anger and frustration as he rewrote the script. That he'd never reached his aspirations or achieved his goals in life. Which he kind of tried to match to Kenny's own character. And take advantage of certain elements of resentment that was in the man. It's successful. And uh, Kennedy's performance is certainly a driving force behind it. It becomes less about um, about zombies as such and more about authority. See, our man George is a bit of a... Although he's an antiques dealer in Manchester, he's a bit of a hippie. He also has a ridiculous Mockney accent, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, and he uses his... Um, and he, you know, he, he basically, you know, with his long hair and stuff, for some reason, Kenny's so close-minded, and he's in a, a rural community, I suppose, that he thinks um, it's all drugs and, you know, people who think themselves outside the law. And uh, he does appear to be willing to fit up George to solve the case. And that becomes interesting, and the... Um, the way that's resolved is is probably is the is actually more of a payoff in the movie than you know zombies shuffling and people having their insides ripped out. Indeed, despite this being a video nasty or on the list anyway at one point, it was um, still a film that was um, well. It was still a you know it, it, it had limited gore in it really. I mean. Yeah, Grau has managed to uh, produce a movie that it doesn't go out of its way to uh, to horrify, unlike almost all other zombie movies at this time. It falls into um, a number of things that I think are interesting. I think possibly one of the reasons why it became a video nasty was, and I'm saying obviously we're talking about the way it's been sold into different territories, that the English tagline was the same it's the one used to sell Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. It was mainly shot in Italy, but um, there are some shots that are shot in the UK. For example, the cemetery scenes were shot at uh, an English graveyard where Robin Hood's Little John was said to be buried by Nottingham. Um, tourists arrived, saw the crew, and uh, complained, and they were evicted. I think. I spoke earlier on about Grau and it being quite a labour of love for him. I think that was the way I played it. I think when you when you hear about how he fought, how he's the thing that he did with with Kennedy, but also when you compare it to what he was doing generally, see the film's music score is made up of moving, moaning, and breathing noises. It's Grau himself that made those sounds. So and it, it feeds together. For example, um, the zombie played by Fernando Hilbeck, like the most, one of the most notorious ones, was supposed to have died drowning in the river. Grau kept Wilbeck soaked with water throughout the film, 
and also um, had uh, used like water within the sound to uh, make it sound like he's, he'd, he'd arrived. This sounds excellent in a very broader sense. Grey wanted to give the film a sonic sound landscape, it's fair to say. He wanted a sound of the dead to permeate the atmosphere. He tells a story about the that um, the noise he always remembers when his father died, that last breath, that gasp. And he wanted to use something similar slowed down as a major component for the soundtrack of the film. This and um, you know the underwater distorted frequency is uh, is literally there just to highlight how Growl believed one of the characters died. Incidentally um the record company uh Defaults Records has a uh, still has in stock limited edition green vinyl of the soundtrack to Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Uh, the, uh, obviously created by Giuliano Sorgini. Um, there's a kind of a 60s psychedelic kind of break in there, obviously to match the hippiness nature of George's character, some electronics, and of course those groans as well, which uh, permeate the entire, the entire film. Well, the second you start seeing dead people, anyway. Incidentally, as well, I mean, we talk about influence. And that electronic score from 74 is must have been an influence on a lot more of the more electronic horror uh, scores that we hear later on. Indeed, I wouldn't say, you know, Goblin was directly influenced by them. But there is a kind of... Uh, that kind of idea of the music kind of almost uh, not just being incidental music but kind of pulling little threads out from the horror and trying to explain them a bit more I think that 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 is definitely there and, and it's something that goes through Italian horror soundtracks from here on in and also Edgar Wright described uh, the alternative title this Don't Open the Window to bear uh, as uh, one of the films that influenced him in his uh, mock trailer for uh, Don't for the film Grindhouse from back in 2007. Uh, one of the highlights of that film, I think you'll find. Thank <laughs> you. 
so yeah, so the story was set in the English countryside near Windermere. So that's the peak, that's the Lake District. Uh, but if you look at a map, if you can find Liverpool, it's about two hours north. Um, green, hilly, little bit isolated, but not too bad. <laughs> but it was primarily filmed in Italy. Um, the scenes uh, featuring uh, outside the hospital shot Barnes Hospital in Chile, and uh, which is great in Manchester. And uh, some films films were actually from the Peak District in Derbyshire, not far from Sheffield. And as I said before, the church scenes were shot in a half a stage. And of course, that distinctive opening montage, which I think people from outside of the UK would think it was London, but it isn't. That's actually Manchester. So the film premiered in Italy on November 28th, 1974. And um, it was released in the US in 75 on the title, Don't Open the Window. And it was going with driving circuits and cinemas paired with double features, uh, basically. And it was sitting with, hilariously, The Last House on the Left, which is partly the reason why it got mixed up in the taglines for uh, it's, if it's, it's only a movie. In the United Kingdom, it was constantly living dead at the Manchester morgue. Obviously, those who have watched the film will realise that there aren't actually that many living dead at a Manchester morgue. But uh, I think, if I remember rightly, there are. We're all planning to go there, and everyone likes a little alliteration in the, in the cinema titles, don't they? Apparently, there's there's rumours, and I'm that the um, there's a scene where a zombie and eyeball were filmed. But uh, if they were. There's no evidence that it, they were. Um, during the scene in which Craig is eaten, the female zombie reaches down towards Craig's eyeball. Before anything happens, there's a sloppy edit cut from to a long shot of the zombies. So the film in the UK, um, it was it's one of the ones that had already existed in the cuts before it got released. So the BBFC cut one and a half minute, well, one point one minute twenty seven seconds, in fact, for that seventy five cinema release of Manchester Morgue. Um, it was listed under the VIP label uh, in nineteen eighty two in June, titled "The Living Dead," and LVC released a video, "Don't Open the Window." Now that was the US R-rated version of the film. It's the uncut version though that was listed in Video Nasty in October 83. But it was actually dropped from the list in April in 85. Um, then in 85 afterwards Network kind of submitted the cut version. And the BBFC in their wisdom cut another 26 seconds out. Now the reason for that is because of the video nasty well the the vsc ruling that said that uh, films in the home would have a greater impact on people than if they were saw them in the cinema and the bbfc had to censor accordingly so uh, films like this had to be seen to be notably different on their release in the on video that's why you kind of get these differentiations in the videos being really, really butchered of any kind of violence. Unsurprisingly, 
in uh, 2002, uh, considering when you look at the film, that Secret Cups is Lyle, so known as Living Dead in Manchester Mark, was finally released uncut on DVD. And uh, that's where we're at the moment, really. Um, it's a great film, and certainly one that's worth watching. Uh, I'm a little bit weary of people saying, oh, it's the best. You know. Um, zombie film, you know, ever. I and mean, I know there are people that do that, but uh, it is a very strong one. And um, it's certainly one of the early ones that... I mean, the, the interesting thing about... I mean, a lot of films are obviously influenced by Dawn of the Dead. And this predates Dawn by three years. But it still has a certain kind of feel to it, and it feels like a pre-Dawn of the Dead zombie movie, if that makes sense. But uh, the the influence in some of its scenes with Night of the Living Dead cannot, can't be underplayed. They're pretty pretty big and wise and obvious there. And then um, we've got the movie is well, kind of it it does show. I mean, from a, from an English point of view, I'm not going to be one of those English people that kind of go, well, you know, the act and the, the it doesn't really look like. Manchester, blah blah blah. Well, it does because it is, but the you know the dubbing is as with almost every Italian film that we talk on this list, terrible. But at the very least, there is some, you know, it's it's a well-made film, and uh, it's not our fault that the, that we insist on dubbing films. You know what I mean? Um, and we subsisted, assisted on dubbing films, obviously we don't anymore. And I think. Despite some kind of heavy-handed environmental message that kind of permeates it, they actually managed to make the zombies quite frightening. Not in a, a zombie like a zombie flesh eaters kind of way, but more in a a dawn of the dead way. In truth, in a kind of a you know the or night of the living dead, I should say that really because of the the physicality of these people. They're capable of doing terrible things, and uh, there's not much you can do about them really if they get hold of you. Um, certainly, the scene in the church when the policeman goes out looking for looking for help, and although it does feature quite a contrived kind of injury to get him into the hands of the ghouls, it's still very solid and well, and well, quite frightening in truth. Also. Um, the film is has a certain tone to it, and I think that's because of the soundtrack. And uh, the, the, obviously, I'm saying the, the the work that Grauwet put into his film. Um, you know, it isn't. There are far, far worse films on this, and certainly worse zombie films on the list. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to talk about Zombie Creeping Flesh, which is, as I like to say, a film where the story behind the film is more interesting than the movie itself. But. Um, there's a great deal of love for it, and I think part of that is this kind of feeling of being an outsider. The uh, our friends um, George and Edna uh, are very much from outside the community, and uh, they are outside looking in. And I, I'm assuming that's partly based in the way of how our Italian filmmakers felt arriving into Manchester. It's this kind of almost certainly when they were filming grey place and uh, feeling uh, a little bit like they too are on the outside looking in.
I'm so sorry. I must be a little tired. I put it into reverse. Yes, I can see that. Of course, I'm insured. And whatever expense I... Oh, Starling. After all, it could have been worse. Couldn't it? Uh, yes. There's even a garage. How long will it take? Well, you'll need a new wheel. We'll have to get that from Glasgow. And it's the weekend. Earliest will be Monday evening. Okay, it's yours. I'll see you on Monday then. And don't bugger me about. Are you going to Windermere? Not into the town exactly. Nearby. Well, you'll take me there just the same, won't you? It's the least you could do. Right? I'll drive. I mean, we don't want to go all the way in reverse, do we? Actually, you'll be doing me a favour. You see, I've driven all the way from London and I do feel a little tired. Then go to sleep. Okay, well, thanks very much for listening. Um, just a couple of odds and sods, really, to be fair. Um, massive thanks to um, all the people who, uh, well, so lovely all the time. Uh, for example, Martin, who's at Asian 73 who has been pushing the podcast, and also at Good underscore Podcasts, who, uh, and, and, and that's at the website as well, goodpodcast.com, who's been kind of, likes the website and uh, is kind of, Know, pushing, pushing what I do, which is really great. Um, also, thanks to at Phil Tunes as well, who, who, who forwarded me um, a great little uh, YouTube clip of like uh, Dario Gento done in Lego, and uh, he found his old version of um, Shock and Gore. No, Shock Horror. Sorry, Shock Horror, which is the uh, the poster book of all the covers of the Nasties covers uh, with little reviews on the back. Uh, which is a great coffee table book, actually. To be fair, it's great to flick through these those fantastic covers and and have a little look at them. Um, also, thanks for an iTunes review to Schnugarvi, who very kind and very very kindly left a review. Uh, that's great. Uh, if you want to do that, or if you want to get hold of me, iTunes reviews greatly received. Help put the the word out there and what I'm doing, and also. Um, the uh, obviously you want to get hold of me, please do. Uh, my email address is videonasties at gmail.com. The website, uh, videonastiespodcast.com. And also my Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. Uh, and I will say hello. Um, there's also links to various odds and sods, like link out through and through. I've got a Tumblr site and stuff like that, but uh, it tends just to be video covers and links. So, um, so it's great that you're listening, and thanks, thanks very much. Um, I think, I think, the plan is going to be a little bit different for the next few weeks. Um, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to get one out next weekend, uh, which means that we'll be covering uh, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, also known as Flash for Frankenstein. Then we might do Blood Feast or I might do Possession. Now the reason why I might do Possession is that I've been given a copy of the upcoming Blu-ray release. Um, and uh, it would make sense to do it when the Blu-ray comes out basically. I'm going to write a review for the website in terms of what the extras are like. They're good. 
and uh, I also want to uh, and then I'll do like the podcast as per normal and we'll kind of link it all together around about the end of July now I know more way that weekend so it might be the weekend before um, so uh, I'll keep you posted basically follow me on Twitter and I'll, and I'll, I'll say I know it'll pop up and the website will get updated you know the kind of things it's going to pop up on your stream at some point anyway so <laughs> I'm not sure if it really matters but anyway until then take care and I'll speak to you soon goodbye <laughs>